0: Hey everyone, this is the Manips and Sips podcast uh, featuring me. I'm Dr. Jeremy Boyd and partner in crime over there, Dr. Brandon Cruz. Today we're going to be talking about the junctions of the spine. Uh, so we're talking about OA, uh, CTJ, and thoracolumbar junction. Uh, I guess uh, anything else that Brandon comes up with too. Uh, but uh, before I get too much into that, uh, let me pass off to uh, Brandon. How's it going?
1: Going well, Jared. Thanks for the pass off. Um, yeah, excited to talk about. The the junctional manipulations. I know when we were first learning them, um, it's it's a challenge, but it's always fun when when you get them and you become successful, and then you start applying them to uh, your your practice patterns and treatment, and uh, you'll be surprised on the results you get um, when you apply it to the correct patient or person. Uh, before we get further into that, let's talk about our drinks. Um, this is a morning edition because it's uh, eight in the morning, so I um, I have a Scotch whiskey in my coffee. Um, so I the an Irish coffee, but I want to try this by itself. I haven't tried the, this new bottle. I just got it for my birthday. It's, um, if I'm pronouncing this right, Lafroige or Lafroig, something like that. Um, it's from, um, East no, hold on, I'll, I'll say Isla something like that. Some Island off of Scotland. So I, I apologize for butchering it, butchering it. But anyway, that's what I'm having. So uh, one of these days, I have to have it just on the rocks and uh, let you know how, let you guys know how it is. But what do you have,
0: Jar? Uh, I got uh, this is from Flying Fish, uh, Tropical Wheat or Trade Winds Tropical Wheat. Um, so uh, I just went to their brewery or at least the outside of it because they're not allowing people in. And they uh, it, was a, it was a cool brewery. Uh, Flying Fish is one of the bigger, older breweries. Been around for a while. And um, so it was nice to be outside. They did a good job social distancing. And uh, this is more of a tropical drink. I like it actually uh, more of a lighter beer. But uh, that's, you can tell you still like the mango. And I think it's a guava into it. Passion fruit. Um, so I give it a 7.6. On my, on my Is scale that
1: sour now? right. I know there's mangoes. The thing
0: is, uh, this is uh, just a wheat beer. So yeah, the sour's um, so starting to slip out of that season there.
1: Got the uh, the name; it's Islay. Eastlay. yeah. Some it's an island off of uh, Scotland, apparently.
0: Hmm. So. Oh, Isla! Oh, I'm drinking out of a Barn Door Brewery. I don't really remember where this one was, but it's one of my few Mason jar style ones. I think it was in California. It may not have been really open yet, but anywho. Um, yeah, so we want to talk about this topic today because, uh, I feel like it's something that, uh, can be commonly missed, uh, looking at students and then I pick up, and I think Brandon as well, pick up a lot of clients from other PTs, um, or other practitioners, uh, where the job wasn't quite done yet. And a lot of times, um, I believe a lot of those issues can be due to, I guess, lack of treatment towards these junction areas um so the main ones are your um as we discussed i think most ones i probably do is for ct junction uh then probably tl junction or thoracolumbar junction and then the oaa um so but um brandon what about you what's your thoughts on on these areas um
1: yeah i I, uh same, I, I do those three. I uh I guess initially got turned too. on to, to the first junctional was uh residency with that that uh C T junction, the prone C T junction minute. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that was my favorite. That also I found that better than the uh, seated C T distraction one that you do. That's uh, my favorite.
0: You know. <laughs> What's up? And that's my favorite one.
1: Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. For maybe it's just the way I'm doing it. I just find that the seated ones a little bit more general. You get a lot more thoracic stuff. I feel like personally, I can target more specifically or as specifically as we can, um, mm. knowing that you know some of the stuff is non-specific. Um, that CT junction, and and I think with the junctional manipulations, we get to um you know really target the best of both worlds we get that lower um lower cervical region and we get the upper thoracic region and maybe the associated ribs as well as the uh, costovertebral junctions attached to the thoracic vertebra so you're kind of getting uh, a, a lot for your money right there big bang for your buck mm-hmm. um i guess my second um in the way i learned it and kind of those aha moments in my career was the co um or C0, or C1 uh, junction for especially migraines. Not so much cervicogenic headaches, but more migraines. Uh, that is a tough manipulation to get. Uh, you need quick hands. You need to really angle it uh, properly and um, make sure you're trying to be as specific as possible. Uh, and then last for me, I guess, was that TL junction, which I learned probably a couple of years ago and and really was able to, um, I guess, like like you were talking about, Patients get better, but they kind of have that lingering symptoms and uh, performing these where it was able to kind of drive home and get them that extra, you know, 10, 15% um, that they were kind of lacking. But that was my evolution. What was, what was yours? Um,
0: yeah, I guess, I guess kind of similar. Um, it's our obviously in residency uh, for us uh, where we learned both those, the prone technique and the and the seated. Um, I guess they call the, uh, the full Nelson technique. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know why that one kind of worked better for me, probably because of a bony chest. Um, it just, I don't know. It was always easy one for me. I agree. It doesn't get as specific. Um, Mm -hmm. as, as, uh, like where you're putting your hands on the prone, um, techniques just, I don't know. You can get a lot better with that, but, um, I do kind of say, I say with like students and those sort of things, it's like, uh, this is one who kind of just really kind of blow. I don't say the clients, just the students uh, blow up the area. Um, that one, I feel like, you know, some, especially for those stiffer individuals, uh, that one can do a good job. And, you know, it's probably because at the time I was treating a little bit more of a geriatric population and getting people on their face and eye when they're a little bit older, didn't, couldn't, couldn't get too many of them. But now again, it's just more my lack of experience and stuff. Uh, Then, yeah, I believe you told me, taught me the COC one technique. Yeah, I think that's how it kind of went. And I remember treating a lot of cervicogenic headaches um, and those sort of things. And I was just doing, Either probably some general, maybe cervical manipulations. And it's getting better than when I used to have these clients. And I think I just had like them do chin tucks and just like PA mobs. Mm -hmm. Um, And they would kind of be good, maybe some slight decrease in frequency or duration, but couldn't really fix them, fix them. Uh, That's when I started really applying those techniques and starting to get really good outcomes. Uh, and then, yeah, in a, lot, in a couple of years, it been doing that kind of rotational um, lumbar technique, uh, the supine one, and a couple others. Um, and that's been really good, especially for me. Uh, a lot of crossfitters and Olympic athletes or Olympic lifting athletes, um, whatever you want to call it, a hinge point or um, they're just where they kind of arch their back into extension to keep themselves up for, like snatches. Um, or those sort of things, that area is always kind of jammed up and causes uh, these kind of referral pains into the hip and the groin. And we start chasing that, and, but I stopped. I think for me, I think I might mentioned it in previous episodes, I used to get a lot of those classic impingement type of hips uh, with these CrossFit and Olympic athletes. And, you know, just second nature, it was just like doing the belt mobs and then I was just like, let's look for a better solution. Um, I remember us discussing these things and uh, starting hitting the TLJ and that was like money. Uh, all of them started to feel better. Uh, they started referring a lot of people because it was something that I wasn't the only one treating these individuals. They were getting either massage, chiropractic. So I think one or two people were going to another PT, like currently, like yeah. to a different state. Um, so that was kind of my evolution. Um and I've I've kind of learned and seen that these junction areas take a little for all of them, I'd say all the techniques, a little more finesse than your just your standard techniques. Maybe that's why it's missed yeah. a little bit. Uh I do remember how frustrating they were. I think I don't know if that was that old pursue, your first spot of you teaching me that COC one. And how I just wasn't yeah, I think, fucking getting uh, it.
1: I think that that's me teaching. What was that? It was, it was, oh, well, pursue two really. Cause I had two offices at, at that time I was in a gym. Right. Yeah. Uh, and we, it was just when we started the continue education company. Right. And it was like, yes, All right, we're preparing for it. techniques, make sure, you know, we, we both are comfortable, yada, yada. And that CEO, that COC one is a, is a tough. Um, Yeah. So that, that was there. Um, I want to, before we go back to, before we talk about that, let's talk about that TL junction. Um, Talk to the audience um, and I'll chime in. What kind of subjective report uh, or maybe even some objective things you find that lead you to assess that TL junction in that population? Because, you know, especially now, Nowadays, a lot of PTs um, or even chiros, I don't know if chiros are listening to us, but a lot of PTs are opening up in the gym setting. Awesome. Great. You know, but are you missing something? Can you be more effective? How can you help these patients more? And what Jeremy and I have learned over time, it's really the mechanism of injury um, and and kind of listen to that, what that patient's telling you, if you can identify the areas that you can create a hypothesis of what to assess and check and go to those areas and then confirm it, um, or, you know, not confirm it, uh, from there, rule in and rule out, uh, you'll be much more successful. So, you know, for you one, you know, uh, therapist in the gym, I mean, hopefully you're working out as well. So you kind of understand this a little better for your therapists who aren't in the gym. You know, we encourage you to understand movements of basically all the types of people you will work with from, lifters to athletes, to construction workers, to moms, to, you know, doctors, whatever the case a desk, um, you know, someone who works at a desk or a businessman, like trying to understand um, the movements and mechanisms of all these different types, because that's going to help you greatly. But Jared, what are some of the things that some of these patients tell you that cue you in? Hey, let me check the TL junction. Or like you said, you used to treat the hips. What made you want to check the lumbar spine? What made you want to check further up the lumbar spine to that TL junction area?
0: Yeah. And just build off the last thing you say is also build rapport with your clients, knowing what they're going through and that sort of thing. So, you know, going back to our previous episode with Kyle, um, patient education, um, that's that's critical. But in regards to TL junction, uh, yeah. So, something that I you know, again, missed for quite some time, unfortunately, but um, you're always learning and growing. Um, A lot of these people, um, yeah, I mean, I think even because in the CrossFit competitions, I'll get people to jam that up. Uh, I think there's a video of me way back on Instagram doing guys, dude, his name is Big Al. This guy's massive, tree trunks for legs and arms. And I'm on a portable table trying to Try and do the rotational TLJ manipulation, and um, that was money. I think it ended up coming in second place, first place. I can't remember, so I was trying to take a little credit if they do do place, but um, yeah, so something that they'll report, um, is a lot of them it's hip pain. Uh, I'd say probably more often than not, they got that um, hip pain, even they'll say the classic pinching at the end of the squat. They'll even like kinda of C cup it like here. Like this is where it's at or something like that. And it's 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 I guess PT human nature, but like, oh it's gotta be impingement or labral issues or something intraarticular. Uh so it's
1: no muscles.
0: Yeah. So it's it's like boom, you we have to think more than that. It's like all right, yeah, I already I already can be the man for this person. Um, and uh, they'll report something which I think we don't take enough credit for is a lot of these patients will say oh I ask them either they'll say in their subjective interview or I'll ask you know you have any issues anywhere else or um, I figure I think Ernie taught me this and Uh, he's a fellow, you know, touch each joint. Sometimes I do that. My aim problems here, here, here. And, um, or if you get the body diagram, go through it. Um, but one way or the other, the patient reports us like a stiffness of the back or always have back issues or those sort of things. And I think a lot of times, or maybe I did, um, but you know, watching students and those sort of things or residents, something like basic like that, that I, I have like a stiffness in my back sometimes. Oh, okay, and then you just let me keep focusing on the hip and I think that's a big telltale sign um that there is something potentially going on also in the back um for those individuals uh, mm-hmm. and once I start connecting that dot of that anterior kind of intraarticular hip pain with you know the stiffness of the back or those sort of things that means you know, I should probably at least check that area more thoroughly. You know, I do like active range motion with overpressure, but oh yeah, it's tight, it's stiff and those sort of things. And, um, you know, you start diving into some more questions. Do you feel like they're connected or correlated? Uh, sometimes they do. Uh, sometimes they don't, but, um, you know, besides that, you know, having pain in the back, uh, even just now at this point, if you're reporting pain in the back, I'm obviously going to assess, and below thoracic spine those sort of things but as, as we said here you know a lot of times pain is a liar um where it is is not um you know the origin. the origin so they'll be like oh here and especially if they're coming from you know physicians or something like that not all physicians because i'm, I'm starting to see better physicians are like yeah those, those things are normal but they're like i get this l4 l5 I'm like, like I got herniation. I'm like, let me guess, L4, L5. They're like, oh yeah, how'd you know? I'm like, it's like statistically, you're gonna probably have one. Uh, um, but they're, you know, they're they even kind of know where L4, L5. I don't know if they have done enough research where they're like, oh, it's right here. And then you start playing around with their TLJ, and it's like, wow, it's painful there, and I'm feeling it at L4, L5. Um, so that's kind of. I'm I'm assessing pretty much for all my low back pain patients uh, and then any of those hip pain. Um, And then going into the objective side of things, yeah, I can say those individuals, they'll have a positive FADIR, FADIR, I don't know how you guys want to talk, F-A-D-D-I-R. So the Mm -hmm. flexion, induction, internal rotation test, this can jam up that hip. Uh, A lot of people say it's for impingement. We know those those tests kind of suck um but they can have a limited log roll they can limit terminal rotation they can have pain in their hip and groin with this and that's you know it used to be good enough for me to be like all right I'll just take my belt right there we'll even finish up the rest of my exam start mobilizing it like, oh, yeah, it's a little bit better and i'm like okay great that's it uh i used to take a little bit better for good enough and now i'm like no that's a little bit better is not good enough. I want a, them a better lot better.
1: Not better, actually. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. I, it's not better if they say
0: a little bit better. Yeah, oh, yeah, and half they're the nice. time they're trying to be nice. Clients are trying to be nice. Yeah, they're like, oh, he's trying. He's he's yeah. working hard. Great. Yeah. Good boy. Good boy. Um, but um, you know, really, actually, working on the client, especially, um especially these individuals, if they had true hip impingement, uh, they wouldn't really have that real limitation in range of motion. You'll have people eventually get them into that fader position. It's one of those things that's you know, going to be uncomfortable to a degree. Uh, the body's not really meant to move like that. But if you're winding them all the way out and their foot's like 10 feet off from the table um, and they're like, yeah, that hurts. That's the, I'm like, yeah, is it really a, intraarticular hip Mm -hmm. issue if they're having more than like 30, 40 degrees of internal rotation, probably not. So kind of actually diving in, going a little bit more, uh, I put a lot of weight into essentially palpation or you know assessing the mobility of TLJ. Uh, I'll do the CPA or bilateral UPA. And if you put enough weight into you gotta think they have a lot of weight coming down on them, at least in my population of Olympic and uh, you know CrossFit athletes, um, you know you have to put a little load through that, and then all of a sudden they're feeling it in their hip, not just oh I feel like my back because you know one hundred ninety pound dude pushing down on me. No, it's like oh I feel that reproduced in my hip. That. Yeah. Then you know wait this is not a hip issue. But um what about you, Brandon? Um, I know I got some of these techniques and and examination from you, so. What about you?
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you said a lot um, of what I would say, but uh, just to kind of fine tune, because um, I know you and okay. I are very similar in thought, which is could be good or bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, unilateral repeated A's I, I find to be more um, effective or, or more provocative for patients. Uh, you're loading up that one side. Um, patients talking about deep achiness by like their greater trochanter. Um, usually bilaterally, especially in that weightlifting uh, population, you know, squatting or overhead um, overhead squats, regular squats, cleaning and jerking, snatches, stuff like that, um, that population. Uh, football players, linemen, uh, I've seen, you know, especially because they're in that kind of three-point stance and then they're driving up into lumbar extension against the guy. Um, uh, I'll see them in those. So uh, a lot of patients will report like they hit their hips, or they try and roll it out or they use those massage guns to try and get mm-hmm. relief. And like, they get no relief at all. And it's because they're treating the side, the, the area, the site of where the pain is and not the origin, like you were talking about. Um, also that TL junction could refer down to that um, SIJ region um, or anterior hip, like you were saying. So really those, those three, I find that, um, that P to A mobilizations and they'll clear up quick. We're talking like, probably what two to four sessions jera on, on those uh, fucking people
0: uh um, yeah it's usually yeah money like one to two and it's usually something they've been dealing with forever mm-hmm. um and or get- what i've
1: noticed when you get to a certain weight like you could squat you know like like 50% no problem but when they say they get to 80% 90% max <laughs> That's when it bothers them. That's probably where they're they're leveraging their back, going into you know hyperlordosis or arching, and you know that becomes the, the area that takes the the brunt of it.
0: Yeah.
1: On those patients, um, yeah, I, I like to do uh, the prone thoracic um, or prone TL junction manipulation. I guess we'll, we'll pull up some videos in a little bit, just yeah. to you know let everyone see what we're doing. Let's move on to the uh, the. Um, CT junction. That's a big one. That's one of your your favorites. Um, what are, what are you looking for there? What, What are some signs and symptoms?
0: What's the patient reporting? What kind of cues you in? Um, yeah, definitely a favorite. Um, definitely a lot of different styles of techniques that you can do with this, which is good. Um, they always get value what the patient wants or what position they want to be put in or comfort level. Um, so hopefully we can get some videos up on that, but, um, yeah, a lot of what I'm seeing, uh, again, same, same sort of thing. Someone's been dealing with for a while uh, a lot of the times, or even not actually, um, also pretty common in weightlifters More from this time, like back squatting or dropping the barbell down as a like transition from a, over at, like a front squat or press and jerk, Um, and then they, in a wad switch to a back squat or whatever it may be. And you can just see it becoming more and more uh, kind of hypertrophic, um, a little stiffer. Um, but a lot of what I see is, um, you know, that classic sort of, oh, I got trigger points in the middle of my scapular region and got always a tight upper trap. Um, you know, I start to, those are those kind of telltale signs, um they can't even have you know pain down into the arm um and the shoulder uh but um yeah that's those are the big ones anytime I see like people are like this and they get the guns and the lacrosse ball up into there uh and with no luck but they'll do that for months and months but um those are kind of the big things that I see um from a movement perspective they don't have really um like much like thoracic extension and uh i feel like cervical extension is usually kind of something i feel to start to um be if it's like a true like just ct junction they're like can't get back there they'll like capital extension and they'll be like this and now And now actually truly get all the way back because that Mm -hmm. seems like that jams it up more. Um, Mm -hmm. Something I learned in my fellowship is like kind of start to ask when in the range of motion, it starts to bother the client. If it's like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, good. And then towards the end, you know, you're starting to think like they're stacked on bricks and that motion starts at C1 and starts to work itself down. Um, You start to see that towards the end of the range of motion becomes painful. Uh, yeah. That's when I start to see that it's more CT junction, uh, and that's when I want to say I want to blow it up. But <laughs> uh, but what about you, Brandon? Uh, sh- lately, um,
1: I know this is anecdotal. Date. I've been diving into these frozen shoulder type, at least diagnoses that uh, a physician will give. Oh, shoulder pain, you're limited motion. You're 50 years old. You're a woman. Um, it's frozen shoulder. Um, I've had three cases literally in the past, um, you know, a couple of months here and oh. they've been responding well to CT junctional area. So probably I would say more C6 down at T1. Um, mm. uh, and I'll be honest, I've haven't even been the CT area, uh, because, um, they're a little stiffer. I, I'll go to P to A's. So you know, we obviously, we, we like manips and, and talk about manipulations, but P to A's, you know a lot of P to A's, just as effective. Um, mm-hmm. Downers humps, you were talking about those people, you know, people who are stiff and you could just tell that, that that's a hinge point or that's an area that I don't know, for lack of a better term, is not, stack, not stacked properly. Um, I'm going to try and loosen that area up, quote unquote, loosen. I, I know that's probably not what's going on, but uh, for in terms of purposes here, Loosen that area up, target that. I'll, I'll let them prone because those, those older patients, and you touched upon it earlier, mm-hmm. um, especially older men, um, but you can throw older women there who are just stiffer and, and can't uh, tolerate that combined motion of, uh, you know, kind of rotation, side bend extension, um, you know, just get them in prone and mobilize them. So uh, Mm -hmm. I find that you, you said it with the referred pain patterns, that somatic joint referral, usually it's um, pain into the shoulder blades or or feel like they have trigger points pain. That's always kind of hopping around, uh, overhead athletes, uh, baseball players, pitchers, like a rotation uh, actually, um, possibly gymnasts. uh, You talked about, uh, Olympic lifters or CrossFitters when they're overhead pressing and, and jerking, they have a lot of weight, a lot of stress there. Um, anytime somebody comes in with shoulder pain, especially impingement shoulder pain, just like we talked about with the hip, that impingement tends to be coming from somewhere else. And that tends to be that lower cervical upper thoracic, um, maybe even the associated, um, costal joints. So I'll try and clear all that stuff up, um, and assess it, do some spring testing, uh, treat the TL junction. So, um, you know, the first, the first rib, obviously, um, Goes there between uh, what C7 and T1 there, so they're down a C3 or T3 even CV3 I should say, um, costovertebral joint three and thoracic uh, spine three is usually where I'll try and try and work out and, and just to define these these junctional zones for everybody um, TL junction is defined at least um, in text uh, T10 to L2. I'm sure there's some wiggle room with that. I mean, some people might you know, you might reproduce their symptoms while you're at T9, you know, like you don't have to be very dogmatic or so dogmatic, just understand where you're at and what you're trying to do. Um, CT junction, we're talking about C6 down to, um, T2. And then obviously our C, uh, our C0 C1 is, is self-explanatory to that, but maybe you could throw in C2 there as well. But, um, yeah, I think, What was it talking about? The, uh, the shoulder pain, impingement. Yeah. Um, I, I I'm assessing the neck. We've talked about this before on yeah. the show, but, uh, clearing that, that TL junction seems to kind of drive home the point. And then I guess yeah. we'll just finish up with the, uh, the C zero C one. How, how are you treating that, Jerry? Well, I guess, what are some signs and symptoms that are, uh, cueing you in or cluing you in to, um, to assessing and, and treating those,
0: those areas. Yeah. Uh, and just go back to, to CT junction. Uh, I'll say looking at both my residents so as a different person and myself, just looking at our like caseloads, who's doing better and all those sort of things for any elbow sort of thing. If you're not addressing CT junction, you are, you're definitely missing out and your clients are missing out. Cause I would say that's more often than not the most effective thing. At, if you've had, tennis elbow or golfer's elbow for years and you're just looking for some sort of true relief. Um, yeah. You're not providing that CT junction. You're definitely missing the ball there, but that's, sorry, that's probably, I think we already talked about in another episode, but, um, Good to going recap. Up to, yeah. Uh, just so passionate about that. God, God people. Um, but going back to, uh, that CLC one, um, and something, I guess, probably more newly implemented by me. Um, I've been doing like the OA flexion techniques and stuff like that since residency, but just getting into a little bit more nitty and gritty. Um, you know, pretty much anyone who has, you know, comes in, uh, reports any sort of headache. I don't even really care, um, whether it's like tension or surfacogenic or, cluster or migraines or anything like that. Um, and they're coming in for neck pain, but I always ask him, you know, do you have any headaches or anything like that? I start to think up in those areas. Obviously I get a little more. What was that? You brought Sorry. That I was
1: throwing concussion and whiplash patients too. Mm-hmm. Treating those areas is often yeah. underserved in those populations. And then you wonder why they have, uh, you know, concussion symptoms for six, eight months
0: six, eight months or years. I mean, I've had someone, five buddy, there's, there's a girl, she was starting to close to missing her second season in high school because no one treated the neck. (laughs) Um, and that was something I did was worked on up, but I'm sure we talked about that case. And again, by the time they get to us, you know, I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't get too many acute, um, concussions or whiplashes. Um they usually take some time and probably just need some cervical stuff in the beginning. But anywho, um yeah, so any of those type of headaches, um I'm definitely looking up into the upper cervical spine. I mean up looking at the upper cervical spine is now part of any neck um or kinda T spine issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pec stuff, you know, clavicle, you know, upper trap. Um, especially the upper trap area. Um, I'm definitely looking at those upper upper segments um, just because yeah, it works. Um, obviously, with like cervical headaches, that's probably the one I'll get most excited for. I'm like, ah, this will be the easiest one. But um, a lot of these, you know, special referral pain down into the neck. This is the classic one. People go up, and I used to be like, "Oh, it's all levator." It's like, "Oh, it's up back to the back of my ear," and kind kind of goes down. And we hey, do some I was a, I was a terror. I oh, I did scraping. I did myofascial. I said fuck exercises at one. I mean, fuck manual therapy at one point because that was a classic of me just trying to soften up that levator, and they would be stacked with those trigger points and. Schemic compression, that bitch, uh, and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, it's better." And then it's just they come back in as if the 20 minutes of work that I did was nothing. Um, yep. So especially those those trigger points. I mean, um I know there's stuff with dry needling, I just taken dry needling and you know addressing some trigger points and stuff like that. But for a while, I haven't I haven't addressed any real trigger points in my you know care. In years, uh, I used to look like body scan people for them uh, yeah. to a degree, and um, you start chasing those buggers, you know, just not getting really good results because, for you're treating a symptom. Um, but um, other things can okay, I digress there. Um, yeah. I was, to kind of flip it from the CT junction to where we are, um, at c o c one is, you know, especially pain in the earlier ranges of motion, we know most of our rotation comes at, up you know, in those upper cervical uh, segments. Uh, so it's like, like those people are, ah, like, oh, and they can't move at all. Um, that's a big thing that I'm looking for, uh, for more primarily just addressing that area. Um, so Versus like, Oh, I'm I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And that's where it is. I think start to think a little bit lower and that's a biomechanical approach. I can clearly just do whatever I want to neck and it'll probably get better. But um, as we mentioned before, as I mentioned before on the podcast, you know, I can treat biomechanically and be specific because I feel like in my experience and, you know, me and Brandon have gone through rounds of getting our, I guess outcomes critically evaluated we're constantly look to become more efficient. Uh, it's like you look at your caseload and how many times you've seen a person and it's too much. We get our balls chewed out. Um, you know, trying to be more efficient. Um, and me personally treating specifically, especially with my techniques and my, and my self-mobilizations, exercises, um, the quicker the person feels better. Now most necks and stuff like that. I can probably get them done in a week to two weeks. Um, like unless it's something extremely chronic, but um, yeah, looking at these sort of things, uh, that's how it's become more efficient. But what about you, Brandon? I talked for a long time. Any more beer?
1: Yeah, I would say, well, you know, a lot of what you said, uh, headaches is, is a big one. Migraines really, if we're, if we're really specific to C0, C1, um, that area seems to be, you know, bogged down. I think we talked about this on a migraine or headache uh, podcast episode um talking about dry needling we should do a dry needling one now that you took your uh your course though we can't do it um dry needling the the muscles around it and even the the, um, you know let's put the joint capsules around those areas to loosen everything up i mean i noticed that the biggest um the biggest change where if i could dry needle and then manipulate i mean butter the outcomes are, are faster people are better, uh, quicker, uh, more profound. Uh, you talked about CT junction and the elbow and things like that and, and tracing tr- trigger points. Um, yes, trigger points are symptoms. I, I rarely ever, especially in the spine treat trigger points. Um, I'm treating the multifoli of that level and maybe am I getting somatic, uh, changes as well? Probably and possibly, but, um, you know, needle, Needle that C, <laughs> that CT junction area, bless you. Bless you. Um, that CT junction area on someone complaining with tennis elbow, uh, especially those chronic ones, and they'll clear up just from there. That becomes a pain pressure threshold thing. Um, uh, central sensitization, clearing up some of the referred pain there. Um, yeah, C- C0, C1, we'll, we'll show a couple, couple videos on that. I don't know if you have any queued up, Jerry. I have uh, a couple videos. I guess we'll transition to there. Uh, I think you did a great job explaining um the, the symptoms. I, I'm with you. I, I think that neck is easy once you um once you start integrating some of this stuff and become good at it. And again, it doesn't have to be manipulations. You could just do P to A's, um, probably grade four, four plus, four plus plus. Um, these people uh you'll you'll notice outcomes and progressions that you didn't have before. Um, especially when you take a step back off that soft tissue uh junk that, you know, maybe you need to do soft tissue for three minutes because the person either wants it or you feel it might help calm down some areas fine, but no need to do 20 minutes worth. Um, especially when you're seeing, you know, a bunch of people an hour, save your time, be more effective and efficient with your treatment. Um,
0: Absolutely.
1: anything else there? Cause if not, I'll queue up, uh, no, um, let's start practice. launching.
0: I agree. I always tell all my students, um, that, you know, you don't ever need to manipulate anything. Uh, mobilization will be just as effective um but you know the main thing is that it can be it has a better short-term effect um i'll say you know i may have a personal bias but i know um it, you know just seems to make a person feel better for a little bit quicker um but if you're not comfortable with it you know mob it. Uh, if you're not comfortable with mobs and you probably need some education but um yeah, let's fire them up. Uh, Dad, I think I gave you sharing abilities. Um, um I get some.
1: Try it right now. I'm getting um blocked, but I also got a new computer and just re-downloaded Zoom. So, uh, maybe it's a settings thing. But let me see. Uh, hold on. I have to go to my system preferences. Give me give me a second here. Let's see if I. Ooh, all, right. all right. So. You got it? I did, I don't think it's going to be active because we're in the middle of a, a thing right now. Oh, here we go. It worked. All right. Here we go. Let's see that? So this is uh, this is a modified version of the prone TL junction manipulation here. To perform a modified prone TL junction manipulation, have the patient lay prone propped up on their elbows with the shins off the table with your stabilizing hand over the sacrum while tractioning inferiorly. Take the manipulating hand and place it over the L2L3 region traction superiorly so that the tension is over the TL junction region. Apply a traction thrusting force superiorly with the hand that's over the TL junction while adding a counter thrusting force applied inferiorly simultaneously with the hand that's on the sacrum. Oh. Awesome. All right. So I'll turn off the volume so you don't have to hear me talk through it, but that's just, uh, these videos are pulled from our our database that we have here. Um, It's step-by-step instructions. So if you guys want to learn how to do these manipulations and probably about almost a hundred others, this can be found on my website page and and, uh, downloaded and you guys have unlimited access to it.
0: What a deal. But uh,
1: Let's see. upper thoracic
0: and if you guys think like, um, I know Brad, you might have been the king at this, but, um, if you don't think you can learn stuff, especially manual techniques from, from videos, you certainly, certainly can, uh, uh, that one. Uh, that seated ct junction manipulation that i want to come across yep yep. yep. that was me watching a video uh, very thoroughly from someone else um and yeah you can learn these sort of things obviously you want to be probably not practicing your first couple on a a live client but you can certainly you know take your roommate take your spouse take a fellow pt um and you know, learn these techniques from videos.
1: Yeah. So this is a supine OA distraction technique. A little easier than that rotary one I'm about to show. Um, this one probably more non-specific, as you're probably going to get a lot more in the cervical, and even all the way down to the CT, CT junction there. But much easier to learn than what I'm about to show you. Jay, do you have your um, – I might have a video of you here. Oh, we have the CT Junction one. I totally forgot about this one. This one's
0: a good – yeah. This was a, This is a great MOB. Yeah. I'll be honest. I don't really – I don't manip this one as much. But a great MOB for it because it's tough to – in all the positions to really mobilize CT Junction. So I think this is a great one. Um, Personally,
1: and I think I mobilize in this whole video and then just show the thrusting component at the end. Look
0: at that. The guy's probably falling asleep right now. This is like butter to him. This is a part I love. Uh, I think he's starting to go into some rotations, so this is great for overhead athletes. Um, You know, a lot of our rotation comes from our T-spine, and we severely lack that. And, you know, Brandon's able to, you know, get into some rotation at that one point, and that was the thrust right there. So really good technique.
1: We'll go to the prone one here. Junction variation. Have the patient lay prone. There he is. So.
0: There there at least probably there's prone. just two prone versions. There's supine, two seated, three seated. So at least six, seven techniques to get yeah, that good. CT junction.
1: have a lot of variations here. You go, Jerry. This is actually you demonstrating here. We'll finish oh this one for the audience. Good.
0: Mm. That voice, you poor people having to hear this. Is it working? I'm still just seeing you, my man. Sharing it?
1: I thought I was. Maybe not. I'm just watching it by myself over here.
0: It's a work of art if I'm in it. So, you know, watch away. But, you know, don't deprive people of
1: this mode right there. Let's go back to the beginning there. Is that now? Is it up? Oh,
0: yeah. Now we're all full screen, baby. Yeah. Look at that. Woo. All right. A shout out to my, that's my student, Jamie, who decided to take our course.
1: Yeah, this was what, our early March course, right? Right before COVID. March COVID-19. course.
0: Yep. So, I'm probably making fun of her, as I typically do. It's so yeah, not was, just fine.
1: Uh, what do we right, have, like, good. people at this course? Mm-hmm. So,
0: So just making kind of cues a lot of time of when I see students, because it's great that we're starting to see some more manipulations in some schools, but a lot of these students kind of add that force flexion into the CT junction manipulation uh, of the neck. And that's what I'm saying not to do because um, most often people have pain, uh, especially the terminal end range of their cervical range of motion. So you cranking them into cervical flexion is not the nicest thing to do. So just be aware of that. Everyone is like, yeah, you want them to be relaxed. This is kind of done right. Not an aggressive technique at all, but just look at imaging wise and those sort of things It can be viewed kind of aggressive because you're essentially getting someone a full Nelson. So you want to make sure they're relaxed. Um, And those certain situations, if, you're feeling their arms are super tight on you or they're like this and their traps are like that, or they're trying to look up is, you know, sometimes you need to, you need to bail, um, you know, either reassess or like kind of get back in and like, you know, restart yourself. And if if that's the case and it's just not for them, you know, go in and mobilize it. Uh, just teach yourself techniques. But um, yeah, so those are some really good techniques. Um, All around, there's a lot more for each area. Uh, I'd say there's probably at least four or five more per area. Um, So it's really good to diversify. You think, yeah, you have your bread and butter techniques, not going to lie. So that, that CT junction one that we just demonstrated is my bread and butter technique. If there's no patient preference or anything like that, I'm going to do that one because it's quick and um, I'm just more effective at it than the other techniques. Um, But knowing some other ones, you know, someone, you know, they have their shoulder is part of their problem. So they don't want to get up there or they're too broad chested. Um, I'm working on big Al there with his, you know, Python arms and stuff. There's no way I can wrap around and kind of whiz my hands through, So, knowing the prone technique or another seated technique or you may get in and it's like, Oh, that's uncomfortable to put myself like that. All right. Uh, It's not so much the area you know, that it's definitely the area that you're wanting to target is the problem, but maybe that position's not great. So knowing three or four techniques and having them in your tool bag is uh, really critical. And then once you get more and more skills versus just like preference, you can start like, Oh, this technique is, More for issues with extension or rotation and those sort of things. But, you know, at least know enough techniques for your clients to make them as comfortable as possible. But that was a little long winded. Uh, I think uh, we covered everything. Brandon, you got anything else left to say or should we wrap it up?
1: Just to add on what you're saying, there's no correct technique um, in terms, you know, you have to do one over the other. It's really which one, is more comfortable for you and, and most comfortable for the patient and which one you perform the best. Um, you know, depending on your skill set, your experience level, and like Jeremy was saying, the, um, the body size or stature of the person you're working on, it may lend you to do one technique over the other. It doesn't mean it's more effective uh, or less effective than any other technique. So I know some schools teach it as, um, you know, one technique's more effective than the other. That, that's not true. Uh, hence why Jeremy and I created this library here of over a hundred uh, variations and techniques to, to so you guys can have access to um, a bunch of different um, variations and have, uh, I guess, step-by-step instruction to do it as well. So that's on uh, my website, PursuePTNow.com. Click on the uh, virtual learning section and it'll, it'll be there. Um, other than that, uh, that's pretty much it. Um, I guess announcement, we are end of July. We have a One day fun uh, extremity manipulation course, both upper and lower extremity coming up in mid-September. We'll be providing PPE, uh, masks and and things, um, trying to space people out as best we can. But um, that course is coming up in uh, six weeks. So hope to see some people there. Uh, any questions, please reach out to us. And Jeremy, uh, I won't take that thunder from you. You usually
0: <laughs> so you do, it well. do, good
1: you do it well. So uh, I'll end it up
0: here. Shining moment in life is yeah. the conclusion of this podcast. But right. yeah, anyone who goes that course, I'll give you a free Nips and Sips t shirt. Super yeah. rare, legendary shirts. Limited edition. I feel like butter on your body. But. um, yeah. Uh, yeah. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, one, you know, you know, chat a little more, a little clinical dialogue. Uh, you can reach us at nips and sips on Instagram and Facebook. Um, we're also, uh, me personally, I'm at the decent doctor and trifecta therapeutics. Brandon's at think like a fellow and at pursue PT now. Uh, yeah. Thanks for listening in guys. Great episode. And, uh, I'm right, I'm out, but cheers everyone. Cheers.